This is a podcast that will follow the course of my weekend. It will start miserably. It will end joyously because in the context of sports, that's what happened. The Bryce Harper injury on Saturday night led to a pretty somber show on Sunday morning until we got the news that his knee was not wrecked. You'll hear how that was reacted to with Robert Flores of MLB Network on the air. I'm going to start the podcast with my open air, my second segment. Uh, I took some calls and really got to a point I wanted to make, which was that that game Saturday night should not have been played. So it'll start with that context and then get to the breaking news with Roflo. That was later in Sunday's show. Then from Monday's show with Nick Ashew on the fan, Chris Gores, my podcast co-host on the Train with the Best podcast, joined us to talk about some strength and conditioning topics in regards to NFL injuries and Bryce Harper. Uh, Jeff Cavanaugh from 105.3 The Fan in Dallas on the Ezekiel Elliott story. Mason Foster was awesome. Redskins inside linebacker on camp so far and where the team goes as they break camp and return to their practice facility in Ashburn. And then last but not least, just a dumb segment that Nick and I did. That's all I'm going to tell you. Podcast Star Trader. Welcome to a sucky Sunday morning. We get to talk about crappy football and the world's best baseball player, or one of the two best baseball players. No offense, Mike Trout. Uh, but the one who plays here may be tearing his ACL. Yay! Craig Hoffman with you here. How did I draw this assignment? Oh, I'm here every week. But, like, how'd I, how'd I get this one? Hey, uh, good luck. Go. Could do your thing, kid. I went to bed last night thinking, how am I going to write an update when there's breaking news of Bryce Harper tearing his ACL? That I'm not lying. That's what I went to bed thinking about. You figured Knowing, it out yet? No. Here, let me help you. Sometimes simple is best. Breaking news. The news is not good. The MRI results are in. Bryce Harper, blah, blah, blah. We say what they are. That's what you have to do. I just wrote your update for Thank you. Thank you. I mean, it was my, it was hopefully, my hopefully, nightmare. Hopefully, though, hopefully what we get to say is everybody breathe now. The MRI results are in, and there is no structural damage. We don't know yet. We are waiting for the MRI results. I've already seen one fake Twitter account get retweeted this morning, so be on high alert if you're on if you're on the interwebs for that stuff. But um, yeah, we're we're waiting. Uh, we'll talk to Grant Paulson about it coming up at ten thirty, right? For GP, ten thirty for for Grant. Um, eleven fifty, or sorry, eleven o'clock. Robert Flores. Uh, we might have some other guests on this morning as well. Robert's now with MLB Network. Uh, so we'll talk to both of those guys about it. Right now, going to talk to you, though. 800-636-1067. John's in Alexandria. John, thanks for calling. You're on the fan. Hey, Craig. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Uh, I just wanted to go back to when uh, the former manager, Matt Williams, uh, disciplined uh, Bryce Harper and benched him for not hustling down the baseline. And then a little later on, uh, Jonathan Papelbon called him out and cited a fight in the dugout for not hustling, yep. and now uh, Bryce Harper hustled last night. Do we, do we want Bryce Harper hustling or don't we want him hustling down the baseline? Yeah, John, thanks for the call. There's irony there as well. Um, of course we want him hustling, but stretching for the bat, like what good ever happens when a guy stretches for the bag? I'm not necessarily blaming Bryce here because, again, he was hustling. 
Like, he is giving it everything he's got. I think if you watch Bryce Harper play 98.94% of the time, he is giving everything he's got, and everything he's got is a lot. That is an incredibly talented and hardworking baseball player. But there's just some stuff that you don't do. You don't lunge for the bag. You don't slide into first. You don't, you know, whatever, because you get hurt. But it's also a freak thing. It's raining and his foot slipped. It's just, it sucks, man. It just sucks. Uh, John's in D.C. John, thanks for calling. You're on the fan. Hey, Craig, you're right on point. You know, regardless of what happens to Bryce now, it just illustrates the greed and the stupidity behind the rules and the calls to even create a situation like this. And it should be an occasion for us to stand up and say enough. You're talking in reference to playing the game in the first place? Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I'm i totally with you, John. And I, I'm I'm just, like, flabbergasted that they – like, when they announced last night, PJ, you were here because you were, you were preparing to run the, the D.C. United game um, on 1580, our sister station, and they, they were dealing with rain there as well and wound up canceling the game after 20 minutes – and so I'm sure you were talking with, was it Vic or Shovers, whoever was uh, right, Vic running was the here. game last night. Did you guys expect them to actually play the game? Yeah, it, Vic and I talked about this um, because I threw out the idea, well, the Nats are heading out west here soon. Right. But then, of course, they can't play it because this is a home game for the Nats and right. you know, they'd they want it to be here. So, and, and we didn't, I didn't, at least I didn't look at the schedule. I don't know if the Giants are coming back east, on the East Coast for the rest of the season. Yeah. Um, so but maybe even so, like just play I mean, San the, Francisco. I don't care. Like, well, yeah, you're right. You and I don't one, care. One sixty two, And, but how much money are they going to lose? Who cares? Not as I, much I, as they, I believe the learners care. Not as much as they just lost. That's true. Yes. You, you're absolutely right. Like, and the thing is, this, I almost swore this happened last year. Wilson Ramos, the same exact thing. And Vic was the one who, who like, I didn't even connect those dots. I was just like in a fog and fury last night going like, are you serious right now? But Vic tweeted it out last night. Uh, Vic Ferreira, our, our nighttime producer, Nationals uh, producer here at the fan. He goes, Wilson Ramos lost, uh, lost it uh, his season on a wet night hitting the bag. Adam Eaton uh, hit the bag wrong. Uh, it wasn't a wet night. But like the chances of that happening are so much higher on a wet night than a dry night. And just at what point is it not worth it? Worth the money, worth whatever. Like, And also, just play 161 games unless the Giants are in a playoff battle late. Because guess what? It's not going to matter to the Nationals at all. Yeah, I, They're I, winning the NL East, and it's not going to be close. I guess you could tag it on the end of the season, maybe? Because I'm going through if need be. both schedules right now, and... It doesn't look like anybody matches up with an off day for the rest of the season. Uh, the Giants have some Thursdays off while the Nats have some Mondays off. Including um, tomorrow. By the way, where, where are the Giants tomorrow? The Giants? Give me one second. Because you, you want to know the, who, who the Nationals They're are They're at tomorrow? Miami. That sucks because the Nationals are off tomorrow. I know. Yeah. So, so the Giants. It looks like the Giants. While the Nats usually have Mondays off, the Giants' their off day for the rest of the season seems to be on Thursdays. Okay. 
Well, if you need an extra day at the end of the season because it matters for seeding, then play the game then. Uh, well, okay, here we go. September 18th, the Nats would be home on the 17th against the Dodgers. It, well, see, that's the thing. Like, it's whole, it's the whole East Coast, West Coast thing because... Yeah, it's tough. The, um, but, like... the So, the Giants on the 17th, September 17th, hosting the Diamondbacks, both teams off the 18th, but then the Giants are back home again on the 19th with the Rockies. So, the... Maybe tack it in on the on the uh, the back end of the schedule. The last make that the last game of the uh, of the season. I don't know. Or you, I mean, the, jokingly, everybody was joking. Triple header today. <laughs> start start at nine a.m. Do like nine one and seven. I uh, expect entire forty man roster available. Exactly. Um, you, you want to know? You want to know where the Giants are in the standings? Like they're, 24 out or something? They're dead last. They're, they're second to last in the entire National League. They're 46 and 71. You know where the Nationals are? They're, they're in first. Everyone except that they're, they're second, second in the NL, first in their division. The, Do- the Dodgers already have 82 wins. So when you talk about separation and seeding, the Nationals are going to be the two seed in the National League. And the Giants are not going to win anything. Barring them going on a Dodgers-esque run. And even then, they might hit 500. Yeah, they've got a nine-game lead over the, over the Cubs, who they, would be the third they seed. They can get away with playing 161 games. It's not going to matter. Just cancel the freaking game. Mark's in Largo. Mark, thanks for holding. You're on the fan. Correct. What's up? Calm down, man. I, I love I love Bryce and I love the Nats. I do, but I think the one thing that we found out this year that we have to this is a big injury, but at the same time, we can't fall apart here, man. We can't. What does I know it, being bad. upset about stupidity I, I, I in Major League Baseball have to do with the national? Like the Nationals can keep going, and I can be mad. I don't play for them. That seemed that seemed to be an effective argument. Mark had nothing more to say. I hate when fans do that. Don't ever call a radio station ever and go, "You are like we have to do this. You don't play for them and I don't play for them. It is my job to talk about the things that are happening in the world of sports and to uh, try to be appropriately upset or not about them. And here's the thing. The second best player in baseball or the best player in baseball, he's one of the two best. It's him and Mike Trout. Got upset because a game that didn't need to be played got played. That is preposterously stupid. And if I do not tell you that, I am not doing my job. The Nationals have a different job. Their job is to go play not one, but two baseball games today and to do it without Bryce Harper and to play the rest of their season without Bryce Harper and to try to win a World Series without Bryce Harper, assuming the injury is as bad as we think it is and as bad as it looked. Maybe we'll get lucky and maybe Bryce Harper will be back in a couple of weeks, but maybe not. And either way, the process was bad. The Giants are 46 and 71. The Nationals are 69 and 45. 
if something goes horrifically right for the Giants and wrong for the Nationals and you get to game 161 and all of a sudden playing game 162 would matter in the standings, then play it. Last night's game didn't need to be played. It was played in the rain because it was wet. Bryce Harper slipped on first base and potentially really screwed up his knee. And who knows when he's back right. I'm allowed to say that, and the Nationals can keep playing baseball. Sunday nights, 9 8 Central. Only on Access TV. WJFK FM, WJFK FM HD1, Manassas, Washington, and WIAD HD3, Bethesda. 1067 The Fan. 1067 The Fan. I'm PJ Elliott, and here's what's happening. We'll start things off with the Nationals, of course. They beat the Giants last night 3-1 to after a three-hour rain delay. Bryce Harper, of course, getting hurt in the bottom of the first, trying to leg out a single, landing awkwardly, hyperextending his knee while touching first base. Nationals saying that GM Mike Rizzo is set to meet with the media here any minute over at Nats Park in the clubhouse. Dusty Baker talking last night saying that Bryce is going to have an MRA today. Of course, uh, Dusty was dejected afterwards. We just urging everybody out there and that are Nationals fan and baseball fans to just say a prayer for him tonight. So, because he wasn't in obvious pain out there, but um, we're just hoping for the best. Now the series wraps up uh, and continues. We've got a day-night doubleheader today. First game gets going at 105. A.J. Cole will get the start there for the Nats. Then at 705, it's Max Scherzer heading to the hill. Charlie and Dave will have the calls of both games right here on the fan. To golf, it's the final round of the PGA Championship down in Charlotte at Quail Hollow. Kevin Kisner is the leader at seven under par. Hideki Matsuyama, Chris Stroud tied for second, just one shot back. They'll they'll all tee off right around 245 this afternoon. Leaderboard update driven by the pros at BMW of Fairfax. Score a one over through 72 of your own. Now at BMW of Fairfax. That's 1% financing for up to 72 months. Now on select BMWs. Details at BMWfairfax.com. From the Crop Metcalf 5 Star Sports Desk, I'm PJ Elliott. Sports Radio 1067 The Fan. DC Sports Station is Sports Radio 1067 The Fan. Hoffman Show on The Fan. We will, in the next 15 minutes, hopefully have a lot more clarity on what happened last night with Bryce Harper to join us from some perspective and perhaps some live reaction if Mike Rizzo does indeed start speaking on time is Robert Flores of MLB Network. Uh, Robert, as you saw this unfold last night, I just, I mean, I guess I start with your initial reaction. What, what did you think as you see Harper slip on the bag and, and go down? Um, I, I thought that his, uh, I, I mean, I, I thought his knee and leg, I, I just thought it, I mean, the worst. I mean, how, how could you not? It was just uh, that um, horrific. Um, but, you know, you, you, see reports that, uh, you know, that he was able to walk without a significant limp after the game in the clubhouse, you know, had it iced. So, you, you know, you, you certainly hope for the best. Um, but, but as we all know that, you know, just because a guy is able to walk around a little bit doesn't mean that, um, he didn't sustain a serious injury. So, you know, like you said, we'll just have to wait and see, um, what what uh, Mike Rizzo has to say about uh, you know what what the status is, but it it, it was certainly just just an awful looking injury. Uh, as we wait on that, let me ask you this: 
this game was played at 10.05 Eastern, not in San Francisco, in Washington. Uh, and it was played after a day full of rain here in the D.C. area, and it was played as it was raining. Do you think, mm-hmm. and by the way, this is the first of three games that uh, that they would have played in 24, that they're going to play in 24 hours considering where both teams are in the standings, do you think there is an argument to be made that they should just have not played this game? Yeah, certainly. I mean, and and as you said, considering where these teams are, I mean, no one's catching the Nationals and the Giants aren't catching anyone. Um, So these games, now sure, there's uh, individual uh, statistics that are tied to this game clearly, but uh, I'm sure if you would ask uh, the Nationals to a man, uh, hey, you 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 cool with uh, just uh, uh, not playing this game or or just kind of moving on? Uh, they they would say, yeah, um, it it didn't make any sense to me, and and I know the Nationals have been criticized um, with with how they've handled uh, a couple of uh, uh, particular rain situations that they've had there at Nationals Park, but I, I didn't understand why they. If it was uh, still raining and still wet, uh, I, I didn't understand why they were playing it. Um, so, so I would love to hear some more uh, clarity and more more information on that. Yeah, for sure. I I actually started the show uh, with that this morning. That let's see, and we have oh, perhaps really good news. Uh, uh, an MRI, actually. Let's Robert, hold on one second for me because we'll get okay. your live reaction to this in a second. PJ, go ahead. Breaking sports news on Sports Radio 1067, The Fan. All right, well, Mike Rizzo just addressing the media over at Nats Park. Got a little cut of what he had to say. It is good news for Bryce Harper. They, uh, looking at the MRIs, t- speaking to the doctors and the orthopedic people here and our medical staff, uh, you know, the good news is that there's no ligament or tendon damage, uh, which is you know put pretty remarkable in my, my mind, just seeing the uh, the type of uh, injury that he had. Um, there is significant uh, bone bruise uh, when he hyperextended the knee. So although we we feel that we've avoided uh, dodged a bullet a bit a, a bit here with uh, with any you know long-term ligament and tendon damage, uh, the bone bruise is something of significance, and uh, we're going to we're going to uh, treat him cautiously and uh, hopefully have him back you know later on this season. Yeah, Rizzo went on to say that there is no exact timetable of when Harper will return, but again, good news: no ACL tear, no tendon tear, just a bone bone bruise in last night's 3-1 win. From the Crop Metcalf Five Star Sports Desk, on PJ Elliott, Sports Radio 106.7 The Fan. Hoffman show on the fan. Robert Flores from MLB Network is with us, and now we can react live to that news uh, with Robert. And Robert, you heard Mike Rizzo. I'll give you the first word on this. What, what do you make of that? Obviously, uh, I think I think everyone can take at least some sigh of relief, some level of deep breath. It's remarkable, um, certainly, and and I think it also speaks to really what a uh, magnificent athlete. Bryce Harper is because if if you or I uh, were in that particular situation, uh, I'm sure our uh, knee uh, and everything associated with it would be uh, would have exploded. Um, so I, I just think it's 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 great news uh, for the Nationals and, and really for for baseball uh, fans um, 
at, at large because I, I, clearly the Nationals with Bryce Harper are are a, a much more dynamic team. They're a much uh, more fun team to watch, and and you know they're they're, a, they're stiff competition for the Los Angeles Dodgers. The Nationals without Bryce Harper. Um, certainly, uh, th- those those things don't exist. So it, it, it's it's fantastic and it's remarkable. Yeah, and I guess that's where we go next. So if Bryce is indeed back for the postseason, which you know we don't know, uh, bone bone bruises are not. That's not nothing. A bone bruise right. is a serious injury, yes. and it is a lot. The thing is, though, it's a lot of pain management, and it is a lot of pain. Those are extraordinarily painful. But the and then from a functional standpoint, it is obviously if you are in pain, you cannot move as fast. You cannot move as quickly. You cannot move as efficiently. But it is a matter of getting that mobility back as the swelling comes down from the bruise and then managing the pain. But if there is enough time between now and October for that pain and swelling to come down and Bryce Harper to get back to 100 percent. Can the Washington Nationals compete with the Dodgers in a seven-game series, nevertheless win a five-game series, which they have never done in the history of their franchise since it moved to Washington, D.C.? Yeah, I I think that they are set up to... um, Because with Bryce Harper, that that lineup is... uh, I, I mean, it is... It, it it's scary. It is there is length in the lineup. There is not an easy out there. Um, there is versatility. There is depth. Um, but clearly, if if Bryce Harper is not a hundred percent or obviously not in there, then it changes things. But um, I, I, I when I was just watching this uh, last night, I was thinking, man, the Nationals just can't catch a break when it comes to. To, to injuries. I mean, uh, you had Adam Eaton at the beginning of this season. You had uh, uh, Ramos at, at the end of last season. Um, so uh, I, they they need clearly, uh, duh, they need Bryce Harper. So, but as you said, I mean, this this injury is still is still going to have to be managed. It's still going to have to be treated. And um, as you know, when, when a baseball player is out for a significant period of time, there's other things that that suffer. I mean, it, it's all about timing. It's all about uh, reflexes and, and things like that. And, and when, when you're out for a significant period of time, um, th- those things can suffer. Without a doubt, let's say he misses a month. And then Mike Rizzo, and by the way, so uh, just kind of updating the stories, we get more information here. If you're just tuning in, uh, Robert Flores of MLB Network is with me, Craig Hoffman, here on The Fan. As we just heard from Mike Rizzo, Washington Nationals general manager, who said Bryce Harper has no tendon damage, no ligament damage, no structural damage. He has a bone bruise. And the update we have from two minutes ago is he's been placed on the 10-day DL and will go from there. If Bryce Harper, and this this doesn't matter kind of, but not really, it's an individual thing, but if Bryce Harper were to miss a month, come back, have a decent finish to the season, um, and obviously we all care much more about how he is timing-wise, readiness-wise for the playoffs, but do you think he could still win the MVP this year? Mm. Ooh, that's, that's, that's a good one. Um, I, I would tend to say no, just because... Uh, if you miss that 
amount of time uh, at this particular stage of the season, um, I, I would say no, just because just the way voters are. I mean, there's human nature, right? I mean, when do these votes happen uh, towards the end of the season? If a guy is has been out, you know, out of sight, out of mind, um, I, I would tend to say no. Um, but but who knows if he if he misses. Let's say he's out for the rest of August, comes back in second week of September and just rakes again. Then I think you have that added element of, uh, you know, this is a quality that's that shouldn't, you know, that's not necessarily or technically included in the MVP voting. But you have the the whole, oh, my God, he's superhuman. Then, you you know, maybe he could sway some voters. But at at, at this stage, as we stand now, I, I would tend to say no. Yeah, I tend to agree with you, but that would be something. And and imagine the emotional boost it would give this team if he comes back in the final week of the season, hits a couple of home runs, and, and the momentum it would give them going into the playoffs. Uh, that'd be pretty amazing and, and very un-DC sports-like. So we, we can hope, Robert. <laughs> we can hope. Hey, I appreciate the time this morning, man. Um, and thanks for sticking with us through the breaking news there. Um, we will talk as we get closer to September and October, and hopefully we have uh, we have happier things to talk about. Although this wound up being far happier than we thought. Absolutely. And and consider, uh, you know, just how bad Washington's football team is going to be this season. You know, this <laughs> is right. really great news. All right. Wait, what? Yeah. What? Get, you're done now. Thank you. Okay. All right. Bye. See you, Robert. <laughs> Nick Cashew there, Craig Hoffman here. It's overtime on The Fan. We go to the hotline where we welcome in Redskins inside linebacker Mason Foster. Mace, what's up, man? How are you? Good, man. How you guys doing? Good, man. Doing great. Doing great. Uh, camp over for you guys. You guys uh, get get done today with DJ Swearinger kicking a field goal. Uh, that's new. I've never seen that before. I like fat guys catching punts better. What, what's your favorite end of training camp story? Um, I'm with you, man. I usually like to see the, the, you know what I mean, the fat guys who think they're athletes go out there and try to, you know, catch punts. But, uh I mean, this is my first time seeing the field goal thing, and it, it was pretty cool, man. I was, uh, you know, DJ got us out, man. You know, appreciate you, DJ. <laughs> <laughs> if they had asked you to kick a 25-yard field goal, how would that have gone? I think it would have went bad, man. Uh, me, it, it's funny you say that. Me and Zach was actually out there trying to kick him the other day before a walkthrough, and it was it was bad. So I'm glad they didn't pull me up there. I would have let everybody down. And just so people understand, Mace is a really good athlete. Played quarterback some in high school. Like, he can do a lot of stuff. Kicking not in the repertoire, apparently, though. Nah, it's it's just like, I don't know. It's something different with the, you know, they have like a kicking ball and a throwing ball or whatever. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's a little too different for me, man. It's Maybe I needed soccer cleats or something, but it, it was, I couldn't do it, man. Hit up, hit up Hop's for, Hop for some tips, just not now. You have other things to do, like tackle people, which is what we really should yeah. probably talk to you about. Um, I, I do want to ask you uh, about your camp, obviously, but I, I'm curious what it's like uh, been playing next to Zach Brown. You play next to, to Comp the past couple of years. He obviously brings a very special skill set to the table, how intelligent he is about the game. He's also a, a pretty good athlete as well, but... Man, Zach Brown's speed is something that is completely different that this team has not had. And you've played with some good linebackers, too, whether it be in college or down in Tampa, um, some, some really good athletes. What is it like playing next to a guy that is that fast? And what, what is, how does that change the game? And how, how do you think you guys wind up using him this year? I mean, it's big, man, you know, because uh, I played with Levante David, you know, one of my favorite linebackers. You know, I think he's one of the best linebackers in the league, uh, 
fast, physical, but, you know, I mean, you bring in a guy like Zach, who's, uh, you know, big, big guy. He's like my size, running 4-4, flying around quick as a cat. You know what I mean? It's pretty crazy to, you know, I mean, he, he erases a lot of mistakes. And, um, you know, when you play next to a guy like that, he can, you know, he can clean it up for you. So if you take, you know, you shoot your gun, go shoot a gap, try to make a play, Zach is fast enough to, to get over the top and cover for you. So, I mean, I, I love playing with Zach. You know I mean? I love playing with comp, but, you know, like you said, each of them bring different different things to the table, man. So, I mean, I'm excited about the, the whole group we got going right now. Talking to Mason Foster, one of the guys that's not going to be a part of the group now is Trent Murphy, done for the year. What does that loss mean to this defense? Uh, I mean, it's huge, man. It's, uh, you know, uh, more than that, you know, I mean, that's one of my, my best friends, you know what I mean? Like, I was telling everybody through camp, you know, they keep, you know, that's not the wolf pack and the wolves, you know what I mean? It's more than football, man. It's, it's like, you know, we're all brothers. We hang out outside of here. Anytime you see a guy, you know, you with him in the offseason, see him work that hard, see him, you know, how the, hear the plans and the goals he had for this year, and then, you know, to see him get hurt in the preseason, it hurts, you know what I mean? So it's almost, you know, it's like heartbreaking. So, and, um, you know, as far as the football goes, of course, you know, he, he had, you know, nine nine sacks last year or whatever, you know, made a bunch of plays for us. It, it's going to be tough, but um, that's why you got to have faith in the front office, man. They had a great draft. You know, brought in guys like Ryan Anderson, you know what I mean, Chris Carter, you know what I mean, Trail's been getting better each and every day. So I think guys know that, uh, you know, we have to step up and play for Trent, you know what I mean, because it's going to be tough, man. He's a, he's a gamer. He loves to play. So you lose a guy like that, everybody else has to pick up the slack and, you know, hold him down. Yeah, you're looking at this defense as a whole. I mean, you guys certainly have a lot of new faces on it. You have some players like Sue Cravens learning a new position full-time. The defensive line is pretty much brand new. Now that you've sort of stepped out of camp and you can look back on the way that it went, on these new faces that were there, a lot of players sort of coming together and gelling, how do you feel about the way this defense looked? I mean, I loved it, man, since, uh, you know, the first day at OTAs, you could feel the energy in the room, you know what I mean? And, and you could feel that guys were, like, 100% in it, you know what I mean? There was no, uh, I can't believe Coach is doing this, or, you know what I mean, stuff like that. It was guys were like, man, I'm getting better. I'm getting stronger. I'm boxing. I'm doing stuff on the weekends. Who wants to go do yoga? You know, everybody's focused on getting better. I think guys realize, you know, we got the pieces in place. Now we just have to keep working. You know what I mean? We look good and we feel like we can do it, but it's, it takes way more than that. I think guys are, are, are you know, 100% bought into that. Guys are working hard, studying extra, and you know what I mean? And, and you got to love that. You know what I mean? So I, I think sky's the limit, but, you know, we got a lot of work to do. But, you know, it's good to see guys are willing to put in the work. You, uh, you have new coaches there, too, so things may be a little different this year in camp. How different is this defense, the way camp went for you, the scheme, just the overall feel of this defense from the way things were last year? Uh, it's, a, it's a lot more physical, you know what I mean? I feel like, uh, you know, there's no, you know, each guy is, he, he does this, he does that, he has that gap. It's more like we're all stopping everybody, you know what I mean? Like, we're all playing this together. There's no, oh, you were out of your gap. It's like, no, we're playing this together. You know what I mean? You fit off him, he fits off you, you guys make plays. You know what I mean? Go make plays and have fun and be as physical as possible. I mean, I think that's the way football should be played. You know what I mean? I love it. You know what I mean? It's, it, you know what I mean? It's tough through camp each and every day hitting, you know, those guys like Sheriff and Trent and Sean, you know what I mean? Big, strong guys every day. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it made us all better. You know what I mean? So you got to love it.
Yeah, that's your style too. Mason Foster with us on the fan. Uh, obviously, I, I don't expect you to give me all of the secrets because this is strategy stuff that I'm, I'm going to ask you about here. But I'm just asking kind of your comfort level between uh, Minuski, KO, uh, Kirk Olivadotti, your linebackers coach. Have, have you guys in your group, specifically the inside linebackers, do you feel like you understand what your role is going to be this defense, which packages you're going to play in? Do you feel like you have a better understanding now? Do you still think a lot of that gets decided over the next couple of weeks and, and specifically these next two preseason games? Uh, you know, that uh, you know you got to love our coaches because, you know, the, the starts from Jay, they're all real open and honest with everybody on the team. So, um but with that being said, you know, we know that it's a competition. Every day is a competition. It's a me, Zach, you know, even, you know, Nico, Zach Vigil, everybody's playing well, Spate. So, you know, you know, each and every day, if you don't come to work and you don't study, you don't take care of yourself, you know what I mean, you might get pulled out, you know what I mean? So right now in the preseason, everybody's fighting for that role, you know what I mean? I think everybody wants a significant role, no matter what it is, third down, first down, whatever you play, everybody knows that, you know, everybody's fighting for that role. They want that role, and they want to be the best at that role. So uh, we'll see how it goes. But, you know, I mean, it's been competitive, man, every single day from, you know, I mean, you've seen little Nico out there making plays, and, you know, from Nico all the way up to the top, man, it's getting serious. So, uh, you know, you got to love it, though, because it's only doing – it's only making us all better. The top, of course, being Josh Harvey Clevens because he's like six foot eight. Yeah. Yeah, he's a, <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he, he's huge, man. And I, I think people don't realize how tall he is. Oh, I get like, The first you know, time I saw him, I was like, who's that dude? He looks like a small forward. <laughs> yeah, he, he's huge, man. He's like uh, with six five, six four and a half. you know what I mean? So, But the thing that uh, one of my good friends I played football with in college, uh, he played middle linebacker. He coached him at Louisville, and he was telling me when he got drafted, like, man, he's a, he's a real deal. You know what I mean? Like, He's a good kid, man. He listens. He plays hard. So, it was. I mean, it, it's great to see those. You know, those guys come up, ask questions. You know, be physical, fly around. That's all you want to see out of young guys, man. I think he's catching on quick for playing safety in college, to playing you know inside linebacker in the NFL, man. He's definitely coming downhill, hitting people. You know, of course, everybody has stuff they have to clean up. But you know, I mean, I, I love what you see from that kid. Question for you on your role. Uh, I mean, you talked about this a little bit after the game in Baltimore. We saw you out on the field with Zach in that Mike linebacker role. There's the obvious difference of the Mike linebacker gets a green dot on his helmet, which means his helmet's allowed to have the communication to the sideline. And so from that aspect, there's a designation that is made. But you guys in your 3-4 scheme have a Mike and a Mo linebacker. Those are the two inside spots. Can you tell us the difference in responsibilities between the two? Like, what does the Mike do more than the Mo outside of call the actual play before, you know, the, the, the scheme before it happens? Yeah, the, the, the Mike, uh, you know, definitely calls the plays and gets everybody set up. You know what I mean? Sets the blitzes, sets everything up for the whole defense. But, uh Really, I would say, like, the Mike is, is more of the, you know, he, he gets the blitz a little more. He's downhill, you know what I mean? He's, you know, taking on blocks. And the Mo is more of the coverage guy. He's out and, you know, like you seen me do last year, you, you got to go out on the tight ends. You got to go out on the running back. So, I mean, I feel like they go hand in hand. There's really not too much difference between both spots. But, you know, I, I really try to learn, you know, the defense is, you know, who's to the nickel, who's not to the nickel, who's strong side, who's away. You know what I mean? So, but really, you know, I mean, there's really not too much difference except for maybe the coverage aspect of it. You know what I mean? There's a little bit different coverage uh, things you got to learn as playing Mike. You know what I mean? Being away from the nickel, being to the nickel. So, I mean, they go hand in hand, though. So, I mean, it's just really the green dot, I feel like. 
Talking to Mason Foster, there's been a lot of conversation over the years about the length of preseason, Mason, and whether or not we need four games, or if you play the Hall of Fame game, then it's five games, and some people want it shortened. But there's the obvious idea that certain players are out there. That's how they earn a job in the NFL. When you look at the preseason as a whole, do you see it that it's too many games? Is it not enough? Is it What do you look at as the preseason now? Um, you know, I... I I mean, I enjoy the preseason, you know. I mean, it's – I can understand how people will say, you know, it's a little tough, you know what I mean. It's a lot of – you playing, you know, four games that don't count, you know what I mean, in camp where you're trying to get better. But I feel like the preseason makes you better, man, you know, because a lot of times in practice you can't really go, you know, tackle your own quarterback or, you know what I mean, take Rob Kelly to the ground. You can't do that type of stuff. So I feel like preseason gives you a chance to do that, you know what I mean, like knock stuff off, knock the rust off go fly around, make plays, you know, wear the burgundy and gold. So I love it, man. Anytime you get a chance to go compete against the best players, you know, in the world, you know, in, in football, I'm going to take it. You know what I mean? No matter who, if it's in practice, preseason, playoffs, or no matter what, you know what I mean? It's football, man. And I feel like we all love to play football, so I'll take it. You know, of course, there's a lot of injuries, but, I mean, football is football, man. And, uh, you know, I think guys – you know, want to play. So, you know, I mean, it could be shortened down, but at the end of the day, man, you got to take every opportunity you get to, you know, get that good film out there. No doubt. I uh, played really well the other night. Uh, enjoyed watching you. I'll see you out at the park later this week. Appreciate the time, Mason. We'll talk to you soon. Definitely. You guys have a good night. Hi, man. You too. That is Mason Foster. If you like talking to guys who know a lot about football, you'll like our next guest a lot. He's one of the co-hosts of the G-Bag Nation, 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. Jeff Cavanaugh is with us. JC, what's up, man? How are you? Craig, how are we, sir? I am good. You got Nick Ashew here as well. Uh, so you you guys have had a fun couple of days down there, haven't you, <laughs> with, with all this news? Uh, let me just start with this. When, when the Zeke suspension came out, was there any surprise? I know Jerry Jones was apparently infuriated and seemingly surprised, but outside of outside of the building were you surprised not a lot i think we were surprised by the games i thought we'd been kicking around maybe it'd be a game or two games or but uh the game number was surprising jerry jones not going to his own media party was stunning that has never happened jerry jerry jones does not miss an opportunity to drink johnny walker blue and talk about jerry jones that doesn't happen <laughs> so and i don't know what angry jerry is up to but i think roger goodell's got a fight coming what do you expect that fight to look like? Because from a legal perspective, a lot of what they probably could have done went out the window last year with Tom Brady, where a court basically ruled Goodell can do whatever the hell he wants, even if he's wrong. So what do you expect them to do? Like, what do you expect their argument to be first in an appeal and then potentially in a legal battle? See, I don't. That's the part that I guess I just don't know enough about what you can do about it. When you get suspended by the commissioner, you appeal to the commissioner, and then the commissioner can tell you no, or the commissioner can appoint who's going to be the arbiter who's going to tell you no. (laughs) Uh, But the one thing I would say is I think Jerry Jones is the most influential man in the NFL. Like Robert Kraft might be up there, and I know he had the Tom Brady thing that they dealt with, but Robert Kraft sort of accepted that at some point. I remember when he said, listen, we're going to accept it. We lose our first-round pick. We're going to pay our fine. And I just don't know if Jerry's going to accept this one. And from my perspective, I would get it. You know, I, I get a lot of people want to, when somebody's accused of domestic violence, oh, he must be guilty. He's a football player. They're violent. He must have beat up a girl. I'm comfortable with not knowing. And so 
if I'm Ezekiel Elliott, and if I'm not guilty, I know I'm dealing with ifs right now, but if I'm not guilty, you as the commissioner of the NFL just put the worst label available to me on me. And if I'm not guilty, I don't know how high I can take it, but I'm going every step of the way. Even if you offer me, hey, let's do two games, let's do whatever. You called me a woman beater, and you did it in public. I don't know what the monetary value is of that, but if I'm innocent, I want you out of the NFL, and I want you to cut me a check, and I don't want to be suspended. So I don't, I don't know how you, how you defeat a guy who has no checks and balances, but if I'm Zeke and if I'm innocent, I'm going as high as I can with it. Jeff, how much of this do you think is a message to Jerry Jones by the NFL? Because we know Jerry Jones' track record. We know the types of players that he signed before that have checkered pass and off-the-field issues. And it, it seems to continue, but this is one of the first times where it really seems like the NFL has put the hammer down on him. I, my guess would be it would be more of a message to Ezekiel Elliott. Now, I know the Cowboys have been the most suspended team over the last however many years, and a lot of that's Randy Gregory and Will Under McClain, which are calculated risks that the Cowboys took. But I think it's more Ezekiel Elliott because there's just a lot going on. No matter how far back you want to go, you want to go back to Ohio State, you know, there were times where their head coach was worried about the only thing that could stop them from winning was the fact that they were all living like rock stars. At Ohio State, they were already rock stars. They already thought they were NFL players. So, you know, he's a party guy. There's a story on St. Patrick's Day. There's a story about a DJ at a club. There's a story, TMZ, every other weekend. Zeke is somewhere with the DJ. His shirt's off. He's partying. I think it's more of a message to Zeke. The only danger is, is that they, they put the domestic violence tag on it. And if it's true, then sweet, I'll spend five hours uh, tomorrow talking about it and what a terrible thing that is. But at this moment, it looks like a gray area. And so it's, it's just, it's a weird situation. And I don't get why the NFL wants to put their hands into the, the legal business. Well, I do because they react to fan outrage, sponsor outrage, activist outrage, whatever it is, whatever the cause of the moment is. But it's just, it's such a bad look for your league. All you're doing is making your own league look bad. And it's confusing, and I hope Roger Dale gets fired. I, I, <laughs> yeah. A lot of people have been hoping for that for a long time. It just seems like the guy just will not go away. I, how, I remember hearing this, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Ezekiel Elliott's dad come out and say he thought his son wasn't ready for the lifestyle of the NFL? <laughs> yeah, something like that. And, I, I mean, there's, there are things about Zeke. Listen, Zeke, he has been, like, he's, I, I think this is part of what the NFL, why they really wanted to punish him, because he sort of lived above rules his whole life. You know, he, whether it was high school where he was a superstar, college at Ohio State where he never got in trouble, and into the NFL where he just he lived a consequence-free lifestyle, and I think the NFL was sick of it, and they wanted to find anything to suspend him for. And I was listening to the conference call. They couldn't even really tell you what rule they were suspending him under. They weren't real sure. They're like, well, you know, he kind of – there was this thing, and the lady, and uh, – who and uh, St. Patrick? So, you know, there was some player uh, conduct, and there was a little domestic violence, and they couldn't say what they were suspending him for. They just wanted to suspend him. If you're Ezekiel Elliott and you walk into a meeting of an appeal with Roger Goodell, and he says, "We're not taking away your suspension because, at the very least, you had the thing on St. Patrick's Day." And I don't care what evidence you present me against the domestic violence case. You embarrassed our league, and you've done it a lot. And I'll reduce it to two games, and you can say whatever you want. 
Would you advise, if you're advising Ezekiel Elliott, would you tell him to take that suspension of, I did a bad thing, like, I, I may have acted out of line, I did not commit any act of domestic violence, and thus I'm accepting that suspension? Uh, I think for the for your team, you would do that. If I was if I were advising Zeke, I would advise her to do it as long as it came with the caveat that the NFL released a statement that said, "Listen, the way that we handled it wasn't perfect, and we're not saying this guy's guilty of domestic violence, and we're sorry we couched it that way." So this is all playing along with yeah, that's Ezekiel being innocent of what he's accused of. Right. But it's just that that label is one that doesn't go away. You know, ten years from now, pick the sponsor of your station. They're looking for a spokesman. And Ezekiel Elliott has become a Redskin for five years or whatever. And it's like, hey, yeah, man, we think you'd be awesome. And then somebody raises their hand in the back at the company. Wait, isn't that the guy that he got suspended for beating a woman? Right. Yeah, you're right. Call the quarterback. Let's get the quarterback. Like, in, unless you're going to clear that part of it up, I would tell him no. But there's so much pressure in the NFL because, you know, Dak Prescott's sitting there, Jason Witten's sitting there, Witten wants to win a Super Bowl, and it's like you've got this thing going on. And if you're innocent, I get it. You've got to fight it. But at the same time, if there's a way that we can just get past it and get back to football, that would be great. So I think it's a tough spot. I think it's a tough spot. But if you could get it down to two games and an acknowledgement that, hey, we're not saying he's a woman beater, like that would be, that would, sure. Jeff Cavanaugh, 105 through the fan with us here on 1067 the fan in DC, 105 through the fan in Dallas. Um, I'm glad you brought up Jason Witten's name because he had some very interesting comments the other day. If for those that are unfamiliar, Jeff, obviously you know this, but for, for our audience that is unfamiliar, Jason Witten's family has been plagued by domestic violence. His father was abusive. He grew up in an abusive home until finally uh, Jason helped stop that by standing up to it. And uh, it was incredibly well documented by ESPN a couple of years ago. It is worth your time to go find on the Internet if you have not. But what did you make of Witten's comments? And what do you think the general thoughts of that locker room beyond Jason's are uh, of Ezekiel Elliott and what he is accused of? It's probably very similar to Jason Witten's. like, Like you, I was really interested in hearing what he would say when he was asked about it. And I thought that if Jason Witten could tow that line, that should probably be the line that everyone is towing, at least at this time. While people are accusing of things, somebody's denying something. It's like, well, this is proof. It's like, well, that's a liar. And so that proves not. It's like, okay. So I think Witten kind of embraced the gray area there where he was like, listen, uh, we, I'm not sacrificing my morals for anybody. And I would never say anything is okay. He said, but at the same time, I really don't know everything. So, like, we, we do support our teammate, but it doesn't mean that I lower my standards as a human being or that I think anything that somebody might have done is acceptable. But at the same time, I don't have all the information. So it's like I'm not going to condemn the guy. I'm not going to say I don't support my teammate because I just don't know enough. But at, at the same time, what he's accused of, sure, it's atrocious. And I think Jason Witten's walking the line that we probably all should walk, but we don't do that in sports. You know, if it's – if it's a non-cowboy on sports radio in Dallas, do we really do all the research we should before we're like, what an idiot, what a terrible person? Probably not. But when it's Zeke, now we're sitting here like, well, wait a minute. Can we really talk about everything we know about this? And I would imagine in 30, 31 other NFL cities, it's just like, that woman beaten idiot. Look at that Dallas cowboy dummy. And so, yeah, it's, it's a weird deal. 
Yeah, and we'll do our best to responsibly discuss it next. We got some phone calls already going, which is not surprising. Um, and I'm sure in this market, people will be rational about anything with the Cowboys. Um, real quick. Why did you guys let Scott McLuhan go? The greatest <laughs> scout to ever walk planet Earth. And you've got a guy up there that's the president getting rid of the greatest scout of all time. What is wrong with your organization? Don't, don't um, stir that up. It's going to just make us both really angry. So, and it's a so, frustrating so, situation. So, so you will listen. Kirk Cousins be a 49er? Jeff, here's my no. question. Okay, I have two more questions for you. And then I'm kicking <laughs> you out of here because you are starting <laughs> and to cause a ruckus. Did you get Jonathan Allen? You guys were picking 10 spots too late to get Jonathan Allen. That is absurd. That that one I'm with you on. All right, so here's here's my two questions for you. Uh, One, if Ezekiel Elliott is out the first six games of this season, the Cowboys' record is changed by what? Their net net win loss is what? What would it be? What what is it? If that makes sense. Uh, I think I think one at most. Because he's a running back, and I know some people may not agree with that philosophy, but he's a running back. It is the least important position. It's the most replaceable position on offense. It's the one that a lot of teams would never spend a top five pick on, no matter how good you are. So I I think it kind of made sense for the Cowboys only because they decided this is how they were going to build their team. This is what they were going to be. They were going to get the guys that could block. They were going to double down, and they were going to run it. So he makes them great. He makes really, really good great. But Darren McFadden would have led the league in rushing two years ago if he'd started the first five games. So I think as long as you have that line intact, they're going to run the ball well. The only question is, will they be intact? Because at the preseason game there, we just got to watch Emmett Cleary at left tackle because Tyron's back's been acting up. Yeah. So without Zeke, if you lose somebody on that offensive line, I think you're in deep doo-doo. If you don't, I think you're fine. Now, four and two might have turned into three and three, but he's a running back. It's not that big of a difference to me. All right. The final question I have for you is one that has emerged during our radio program tonight. Thank because you my, for finally getting this My in. co-host, Nick Ashew, got hot sauce in his eye because he's a dope. Uh, and That's that one somehow, way to put it. Yeah. That somehow turned into a conversation uh, that mentioned Steven Strasburg once getting icy hot on his groin. So which one would be worse, hot sauce in your eye or icy hot on your groin? Holy cow, what a question. Uh, man, I snorted vitamin C one time. Uh, that, that burned. Uh, yesterday I fell off my bike and I hit the handlebars on my on my satchel. That didn't feel good. Okay, icy hot hot sauce. Icy hot hot sauce. I'm going to go icy hot because I haven't felt it before, and so I'll assume it's not as bad as something that I've felt before. I didn't feel hot sauce, but as a youngster... A buddy of mine had a can of that spray mace. You know, it shoots it out and it's like the straight white line of foam stuff. And oh, I was like, yeah. hey, mace me. That would be fun. Nope. <laughs> and, no. and it did. And it wasn't fun. And it wasn't fun for hours. <laughs> so I'll take, the, I'll take the icy hot just because I haven't felt it yet. All right. Uh, our, I'll tell have... you from experience that hot sauce in your eye sucks. <laughs> just in case you're wondering. Man, I'm feeling it right I'm now. Bad. Yeah. And 53% of the people. to you. Oh, it's I, I need it. I've been he rinsing with it. warm water. People so have run I, in here to I have help to me. Put up with them. Yeah, you, I, I'm going to keep whining about it. And 53 percent of people that have voted in our poll say that hot sauce in your eye would be worse. So I don't know. I don't want to try both. Some people have tweeted us and said they've had both happen. So uh, I'm sure this will somehow it's find worse. its way into debate on the G Bag Nation uh, tomorrow. If it does, <laughs> uh, I would like a report back, Jeff. <laughs>
done. You have it. Thank you. Uh, thank you for your football knowledge as well, even though it was clearly not as important as our final question. Damn straight. All right. Enjoy Jonathan Allen. That dude's a monster. Uh, oh, we, we can't will. Wait. We will. Uh, thank you, sir. That is Jeff Cavanaugh at JC1053 on Twitter. Uh, he is super knowledgeable uh, about football. He's also very funny, as you hear. Uh, their show, the Midday Show, uh, G-Bag Nation on our CBS Sports Radio affiliate in Dallas is fantastic. Uh, and you should listen to it if you ever want that perspective, although I know most of you don't. Greg Hoffman, Nick Ashew with you tonight on The Fan. This is Overtime. Our next guest is one of the very best trainers in the country trains top athletes in all sports he also played wide receiver himself at cornell uh chris gores he also happens to host a podcast with some guy who's talking into the microphone right now that uh, guy won't shut up that's been your role <laughs> to not, to not, not well, stop well, talking. first off chris just laughed so i think he probably agrees with that yeah well yeah. That's, he's chris gores is with us what's up man how are you Oh, man, everything is great. Thanks for the intro, Craig. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so we want to talk to you about a couple things. We want to talk to you about the rash of injuries in the NFL and kind of how guys try to prevent that in their offseason training, which obviously you work with a number of NFL guys during the offseason. But I want to start with Bryce Harper because when I saw that tape of him slipping on that bag and flipping over and his knee ex- hyperextending, I went, that is really bad. What kind of athlete does it take for that fall to end in merely a bone bruise? Well, I had the exact same reaction that you did. You know, I I typically don't like to watch those types of injuries, but I just came across it on the Twitter feed and and saw that he slipped on the bag. And when something like that unexpectedly happens to you, it doesn't take a, a whole lot of force to cause an injury. Similar to, you know, it only takes eight pounds of force to cause a concussion if you don't see that that blow coming. So when I saw that happen, um, I didn't think that there was any way that he was going to have anything less than an ACL tear um, and and possibly all three. But, you know, if there is anybody that that could come back from an injury like that or survive that type of traumatic event and, and only have a bone bruise, it would be Bryce. And that's a testament to, you know, all of his off season strength training, because if he doesn't have that base of strength, that foundation of strength, there's no way that, that he's able to walk for another three or four months. You're someone who is you kind of made your name in the business um, of, of athletic training by being an ACL recovery specialist. You've obviously expanded your, your playbook far beyond that, but that's, that's kind of how you made your name. So you know a lot about the ACL and the knee in particular. Like, What are the things that prevented his knee from uh, having structural damage? Well, the the first thing is is just a tremendous amount of strength in the quads um, uh, and, and the VMO specifically. Uh, I, I think, you know, for him to be able to absorb that force eccentrically, uh, those quads have to be really, really strong. Uh, on the flip side of that, the hamstrings that, that support the knee on the backside of, uh, uh, of the leg, um, that has to be incredibly strong as well. Um, and then it, it's also got to be strong up through the core because if, if he can't absorb that in the core, then the knee ends up having to do even more than it should. And because he is a strong athlete, because he, he puts the, the time in the weight room, he was able to survive that. You know, Chris, we guy like Bryce Harper certainly has had some injury issues to start his career. Knock on wood that this is the only thing he has to deal with this year and, and hopefully moving forward as well. But, you know, you hear some guys, especially early on, where 
they deal with a lot of injuries and they're known as being injury prone. I know some things just it's the way that a body's constructed and everybody's different. But I mean, as a trainer, if you work with a guy that maybe has had a little bit of an injury history, how much control do you have in terms of training to try and improve that type of issue? Yeah, that's a great question. Nick. It's something that I wrestle with all the time because, uh, you know, as a trainer, I wish that I could have more control. I wish that I could make somebody 100% injury proof. And that's just, not realistic, uh, especially for a guy like Bryce, who is, you know, 100% balls to the wall. You know, he's, he's trying to leg out a, a, a single or a base hit on something on a, on a wet base that, you know, if, if he had to replay that, knowing Bryce, he'd probably do the exact same thing. Another guy is probably going to back off a little bit, knowing that that's a wet bag and probably going to try to avoid that injury. So somebody like Bryce is always going balls to the wall. You kind of just hold your breath. Um, in, in the NFL, it's the same thing. You know, you do your best in the off season to, you know, take a look at some of the risks that you can address, whether it be mobility issues, flexibility issues, strength issues, and, and you do the best you can. But at the same time, once that whistle blows, once that ball is kicked off, all bets are off, man. Sometimes it's just a matter of good and bad luck. Yeah, and you mentioned the NFL, and the NFL has obviously taken a lot of steps to have players have more time off and allow for more recovery. We've even seen the NBA now. They've, they've stretched out their schedule, so guys have fewer back-to-backs, and they're not resting players as much late in the season. How much does yep. recovery, now that we're learning more and more about it as, as professional sports is evolving and the science is improving, how much are we really seeing that just recovery, just rest for these guys is so valuable? Yeah, Nick, I think that's the that's the name of the game right now because the, the number one ability is availability. So when you're talking about getting into the late of the season, whether it's in the NBA or the NFL, you know, we got to get these guys on the court. You know, somebody like a Kevin Durant, I, I think that it was almost a blessing in disguise that he, he injured his ankle, you know, a little bit after the All-Star break, had some time to take off get himself 100% healthy. And, and, and he even admitted that he changed his lifestyle a little bit. He wasn't drinking anymore. You know, he, he took his, his rest and recovery a lot more serious. And he came back into the playoffs and he was fresh. You know, some everybody else was going eight, nine, ten months straight. And, and here's somebody that just came off of two months rest and he's killing everybody in the playoffs. So the more you see things like that, and then with all the technology that comes out every day, whether it's the Whoop or the Fitbit, the Apple Watch, you know, whatever it is to monitor these things, you know, everybody's looking for that extra edge uh, and, and recovery is kind of that, that next frontier that everybody's looking towards. Chris Gores, elite uh, trainer and performance coach, skills coach with us, Nick Ashew there. I'm Craig Hoffman on the fan. Um, one of the things, like we've seen some horrible football uh, through preseason week one, which is typical because half the guys playing aren't real NFL players, so to speak. They're right on that line right. of trying to make the <laughs> roster. But even with, amongst the starters, you, you see things like a lot of fumbles um, where guys don't seem to be used to contact or missed tackles. As someone who puts together strength and conditioning programs and off-season training programs for NFL players, is there anything you've changed over the past couple of years of, of training this because the NFL has legislated out contact of practices so that these guys can get into camp and into the season early and be ready for that kind of physicality as best that you can? Yeah, I mean, there's some things that we can do to try to stimulate the game, but you're never going to be able to simulate that hit. So that week one is, is always going to be there. Um, and, and, you know, I don't think that it's going to be that different whether they had – 
full pad practices for, for, for three months going into week one. You know, I think that week one is just always going to be week one, especially in the preseason. Um, and, you know, when, when you take away some of that practice time, some of that field time with the coaches, especially for the young players who are learning these new concepts, then the game becomes very vanilla and, and they're really trying to just kind of adjust to the speed of the game and, and some do it better than others. But, there's nothing that we can do in a workout that's going to simulate that hit. And I wouldn't want to anyway. Uh, I think that you kind of just have to, to accept that week one in the preseason is that's exactly why we have a preseason so they can get that out of the way. And then, you know, come, come week one of the regular season, these guys will be ready to go. These guys are professionals. They've been doing this all their life. They'll know how to run around. They'll know how to hold on to the ball when, when that, when it all counts. If if someone were to try to get ready for a season without a training camp or without a preseason, if they've talked about even cutting it more, maybe down to two preseason games, and we'd see what iteration of training camp uh, that it is. And so say you had a guy like Lorenzo Alexander longer, a guy like Randall Cobb longer. What would those last few weeks look like when all of a sudden like the season is literally around the corner by the time you let them go back to their teams? Yeah, so there's, there's going to be a lot more impact in their workouts. So there's a way to, to beat up the body uh, in, in a responsible way, just even adding more ground contacts, more high-speed, uh, um, high-intensity sprints versus some of the, the non-impact stuff that we do towards the beginning of the off-season. So there's a lot more of that, uh, a lot more game-like situations. Because, you know, like getting your body ready for the game is one thing, but it's also getting your mind ready for the game too. So the more game speed reps that we can give them where they're instinctually feeling where that safety is, where that linebacker is, you know, where, where this tackle is, if this tackle is going to try to cut on you or whatever it is, you know, being able to recognize those situations and, and being able to practice your technique. I think that's a, that has a lot more to do with injury prevention than people give credit for. Some people think that it's just about, you know, building a, a bulletproof body. And that's one thing. But if, if you are not able to recognize the situation that you're in, or if there's a guy on your leg, or if it, this is a cut block situation, then you, you're going to be just as prone to injury uh, as you were before with, without a bulletproof body. So um, being able to simulate those game reps, I think that's, that's the key, especially towards the end of our offseason, the beginning of preseason. If you want more from Chris, you can follow him on Twitter or Instagram at Trainer Gores. Uh, you can also check out the podcast he does with me, the Train with the Best <laughs> podcast. It's on iTunes and SoundCloud. We talk in a lot more depth about this stuff. Chris, glad we could find an excuse to get you on the show, man. Um, thanks for dropping the knowledge as always, and I will see you later this week. Craig, I appreciate you, Nick. Good job keeping up with this guy, man. Hey, man, it's <laughs> it's tough. He doesn't shut up a lot, but we're doing the best we can here, so. <laughs> you guys have a good one. All right, you, you too, too, man. See ya. Um, he's, in case you haven't figured out from just listening to him, he's super smart. Anything I need to explain yeah. to translate from any of what he said? We started talking about eccentric phases, and I was like, oh, Chris, we might have lost <laughs> it's getting, a few It's folks. getting down inside baseball, as they say. Just a just, little bit. I may regret this segment the next time I see Danny Ruye and he punches me in the face, but that's okay. I am an innocent bystander with what you're about to bring up. Who will I just participate want to point that out. and not be choice. a bystander? Greg Hoffman, Nick Asher. Oh, so you. now you want me to talk? Oh, oh okay. I mean, Nick, you don't shut up. It's <laughs> everything in life, Nick, is about timing. Well, it's true. Or just hypocrisy, like you. You're just and a big hypocrite. I'm what? <laughs> Where did that come from? <laughs> do we do we need to go to therapy? Maybe. We've done two shows. We're in bickering. Three years of knowing each other. <laughs> um. So. I was listening to Grant and Danny earlier today, as I often do. Why? Because it's great. 
Uh, and, and you can listen to it right here, 10 to 2, here on The Fan. And Danny just got off of vacation. And every year when Danny goes on vacation, Grant and Danny do a bit. How much weight did Danny gain? <laughs> it's actually a really funny bit. It's a great bit. Because when you're on vacation, you should not care. Mm-mm. I certainly don't. Nope. I'm a fit person. You're a fit person. We care about our fitness. Vacation? Nope. Don't care. A I lot of beer, out. a lot of pizza, a lot of barbecue, whatever the hell I want. I might work out on vacation because it's just part of my lifestyle. It's something that I do on the regular. I feel better when I do. I don't want to feel terrible. Like I don't want to eat so much that I feel like garbage or eat so much crap that I feel like garbage, but I want to get close. Like I walking just straddle around, the line. Walking Take around it to the feeling edge. miserable is not worth it. But that that's why like I'll work out on vacation is so I don't have to think about what I'm eating. Just like or oh, drinking. sure, I'll have yes, yeah. all of the stuff. All of the things that are technically bad, but we love them. Right. And so poor Danny. Poor Danny goes on vacation, and because he's been doing amazing work with EMP 180 weight loss as his grant, his wife kind of restricted him on, like, not losing all of the the weight he's lost or gaining back all the weight he's lost. And he explained this on the show, and they did a great uh, contest where they took calls and everyone guessed, and they did a Q&A, and Danny just... I don't know if I've ever heard Grant more disappointed. <laughs> How many donuts did you have? Just two, and I had to sneak them. <laughs> what? <laughs> two? Danny, you should have had 25. <laughs> I, had, I had two. How many beers did you drink? Three whole beers. What? Three? You were gone for nine days. Well, in his defense, he has, what, a three-year-old that he has to That's more watch? of a reason to have 28 beers. Well, it's harder to watch a three-year-old when you've had calls them. It Tuesday. Well, right. Um, so we go through this whole song and dance of disappointment, and Dar is is and they have the bell of shame, which we have because we're sitting in their studio. Shame. Sh- the, and, and, shame. And they're, they're ringing it because Danny did not go hard enough on vacation. And then and then they ask the question, how much, how much weight you gain? Now for perspective. The guesses all came in single digits. I think the highest one was 8.5. Um, in previous years, last year, Danny gained 14 pounds. So those are those are the guesses and the history. Nick, you didn't hear the segment, right? I did miss it. I heard them tease it, and I wasn't able to listen to it. By the way, Grant just texted or tweeted us saying, I'm so happy about this. I'm also so mad I'm not able to listen right now. <laughs> Don't worry, Jeeps, even though you can't hear me because apparently you're not listening. Um, I will send you the audio. Um I'll let you guess. How much weight did Danny gain? All right. So it was 14 before. I love that we're Uh, continuing this. I'm actually really mad I missed it. I need to go back and listen to it myself. So 14 in the past, but he only had three beers and two donuts the whole time? Yeah, and he had like, I mean, there were uh, like, I think. That's discipline. That's good. Three meals in nine days that he just like went all out. His wife cooked a lot. Um, And like, as I was listening, as... The way you're Danny, describing this to me right now is he did a really good job. Yes. He was, was incredibly disciplined, very, something like, I would never do as, on vacation. My personal trainer self, fit person who has encouraged them to be disciplined and to stick with it and has complimented them because they look fantastic. They feel healthy. They've they lost feel a great. person together. I was so happy listening to this as Dar and GP were ready to strangle him. 
Okay, so two donuts the whole time. His wife cooked. His wife kept him disciplined. And you're not married, and I'm married, so I know that when your wife keeps you disciplined, you stay disciplined. Yes. Because happy wife, happy life. You learn that very quickly. I'm going to guess it was single digits. I'll say nine. No, no, no. You know, I'm going to go lower. Eight, because he's been on the plan. I have confidence in Danny. You're laughing in the way that you started this segment. I have a feeling I'm totally wrong. Am I that far off? He lost there. He gained 12. 12? What did he do? How? I, I don't know. His wife was in control. I feel so bad he for him. He chased a three-year-old around the whole time. I feel so bad for him. No! Oh. I'm Shame. Crushed. I'm crushed. Because if he was going to gain 12 pounds in nine days on vacation... At least yes. just have it all. Eat a ton of donuts. Eat burgers and barbecue and pizza. And that's why he was so mad. Because he's like, if, I'm, if this is going to happen, it's like, and then, and then, and then, and this, by the way, all this audio is available at grantdanny.com slash audio, or just search Grant and Danny in iTunes, or just, just find it, these two segments. Then at 12, 15, after the Blitz, so segment, let's see, they're four, uh, 10 of their show. Segment 10. It's good math right away, podcast. by the way, there. I'm, in, I'm impressed. Really lucky I didn't screw it up. I'm still <laughs> I don't not even know if you're right. I'm still not, entirely I'm not even confident. sure if you're right. It's the third hour of their show, and there's four segments per hour. So four times two is eight, and then segment two of the third hour would be ten. segment ten. Good job. Um, All right, you got it. They had their consultant from EMP 180 call in, and she was just like, I did well, hear every, they said she was going to do that. Every, everybody's body composition. And that's the thing. We don't know what the body composition is. And also, to Danny's credit, he weighed in. First thing in the morning on the front end and then at the end of the day on the back end, which means he could have had a lot of water weight and you're heavier at the end of the day than you are at the beginning. So his actual weight gain might have been in single digits and much better. But still, even if it's like, oh no, even if it's eight, God, that's a dude, lot in nine that days. That sucks. He didn't even get to go hard and yet he's still, you know what? I'll be totally honest. Every, yeah. yeah, go ahead. I'm just going to say there's just, I could eat. I could go completely undisciplined, and I couldn't do that. That's what I was going to get I know. I know. And this is the part where— I feel bad because he's been working his ass off. This is the part where Danny wants to punch the both of us in the face. And that's fine. That's okay. I started thinking about this all day, and then you and I were talking about this a little bit earlier without me spoiling the number for you. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't think I could gain 12 pounds in nine days if I tried. <laughs> well, you could. Look, you could do, You could drink a bunch of weight gainers. You could it, just scoop I peanut butter in your mouth. Would you not? You'd have to not work really out. Cl- if you didn't I, work out I, and you drank as much as you wanted, but like, I in could nine days, you too. could. I don't, I just, I don't know if I could do it. You know, I want to punch metab- us in the face right now metabolism- for this. But like, the thing is, <laughs> I've tried to gain weight before, tried to put on muscle. Which, like, you hear NFL guys, oh, yeah, I put on 30 pounds of muscle. That's I can't just, put on 10! But that's just how they're built. Yeah, but that's like, the thing. I'm talking about over the course of months where I'm, like, I'm going to try to eat a lot, and I'm going to work out, and I'm going to lift. Like, I know how to lift properly to gain weight. Like, I can, I fluctuate in, like, a, a six-pound range, and I can't get out of it. And so I feel horrible for Danny because he's been working his ass off, and he looks great. And he didn't get to enjoy his vacation, and kaboom. You know what this just tells him? Just go all out on your vacation every year. Yeah. <laughs> just Danny, do it. Be, be One good. One week, you're okay. Be good while you're home so that you don't feel bad about going 
bananas on vacation. And by bananas, I mean donuts and pizza and beer and ribs and oh, whatever else you want. I want all of want. these things right now. <sighs> it really is. I don't think I could gain 12 and 9 if I tried. I, I, I know <sighs> this. I sure as hell can't afford the food that it would take <laughs> for me to gain 12 in nine. What would be what would be the fattiest thing that you would just try to eat just to like would you eat one of those Franken foods? Like a burger with two Krispy Kreme no, donuts I multiple would eat times? Copious amounts of ice cream. That would be your go-to? I eat I So you're I'm a, a big sweet tooth then. Fan. Okay. Yeah. See, I'm not a sweet tooth. For me, it would be like, but I'd also like just fe- burgers no, and see, but pizza. I, I, I could, would binge on but that. I would Here's the thing. If I'm trying to gain weight, I'd vomit after a day of that. My sister would be like, "What are you doing? <laughs> no! Rejected." I just want to point out Danny that this was his idea, not mine. Danny, I'm he, pulling for you, bro. He's a troll. <laughs> just if I come to give you a hug, don't punch me in the oh, face. Oh, he's totally going to punch. I, I want to punch us in the face right now. Like I said, I'm an innocent bystander. I got roped into this. I have Who no choice. participated fully. I did participate fully. Yes. Yes, you did, Nick Ashu. If you want to follow Nick on Twitter, do that. At Nick Ashu. Thanks to him for hanging out on the show on Monday night. I really had a lot of fun doing the show with him. Hope you got to catch as much as you could. If whatever you missed, hope it was in this here podcast. The Train With The Best podcast has a new episode as of Friday. We talked to John Kruger of Powerplate about their company's technology. Also had some really good discussion between me and Chris on a couple of things. Definitely worth checking out the Train With The Best podcast. Make sure you subscribe to that on iTunes or SoundCloud. Of course, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud as well. If you've already done so, thanks. If you haven't, do that now. Just so it's here, fresh for you whenever you want it. Be back on the air Saturday and Sunday this week. We have a football game in between. Redskins and Packers on Saturday night. Looking forward to that. Stay tuned on Twitter as well, at Craig Hoffman. You can always follow me during the week there. Facebook, Instagram as well. Instagram's at Craig underscore Hoffman. Facebook.com slash Hoffman Show. All right, I'm done talking now. That's it, and that's all. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.